Welcome to Midweek in the Word, where each week we seek to become better readers, hearers, and doers of God's Word. This podcast is brought to you by Faith Bible Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Now, here is your host, Faith Bible Church's Adult Ministries Pastor, Pastor Brad Myers. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Midweek in the Word. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we're glad that you're listening. We're glad that you're along for the ride. And uh, if if you're new to the podcast and uh, you haven't been joining us for a while, you you would be new to me. Uh, I'm Brad Myers, Faith Bible Church's Adult Ministries Pastor. And uh, you probably already know our, our guest this week on the podcast, uh, <laughs> Pastor Tom, our preaching pastor. Uh, Tom, welcome back to Thanks, the podcast. Yeah. Got dug out and arrived through all the snow. <laughs> Glad just, to be here. Just barely. I just know I'm barely. feeling 14 <laughs> inches worth of snow shoveling in the last few days. Um, but if you're if you're buried inside your house still, like there are a few who have been reburied uh, by the streets being plowed, uh, we're glad you're listening to the podcast and joining us uh, this week as well. Um, Tom, real quickly, before we jump into our topics, before we go back to where we were at at in our last episode, uh, I want to take just a minute, um, because you continued on Sundays your Simply Jesus sermon series. You preached the fourth and the last of your yeah. gospel summary um, messages. This week you had uh, the gospel of John. And, and before we kind of move on to the next one, I just wanted to ask you, I've, I've mentioned a few of the things that have struck me from your gospel messages. Uh, what about the gospel of John? What struck you as you were studying that book this week? Well, I, I think just the, he wrote it for a cause, and, and that is to call for a verdict, a decision. Mm-hmm. And I, I think as many times I've taught it, uh, you know, Josh McDowell's Evidence of the Man's Verdict title yeah. Yeah. just really jumped out. But I think probably this time, uh, even the evidences he put forward just seemed like they jumped off the page. They were so much clearer mm. as he built his case. Yeah, yeah, that was that was an image that definitely was striking with the the Gospel of John. That that reminder that uh, I've written these things so that you'll make a call. Yep. You know. Um, yep. And so that's that's good. I, I know a lot of people have studied John in that evangelistic nature with with friends or coworkers or others. Um, so it's always a good reminder from that book to be sure. So thank you for your message on Sunday, uh, listeners. Um, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, our first two weeks here in 2021, uh, you know we've been taking a few weeks and just been talking about Faith Bible Church before we start on our series, how the gospel impacts every area of our lives. And before we start moving through those, we're taking just a few weeks and, and we covered our mission statement as a church. And then last week, we took on the first five core values that Faith Bible Church has had over these 27 years. We talked about a cross-centered message. We talked about living by the book. We talked about observable dependence and then participatory worship and sacrificial body life. If you missed that podcast last week, we'd encourage you to go back and listen through those as well, as there are 10 core values at Faith Bible Church. We covered five last week. We're going to be talking about the last five this week on the podcast, Tom. So let's let's dive right in here. Let's right. assume our listeners have heard last week, and they, <laughs> they heard us expound a little bit on those first five concepts. The sixth value that we come across in our in our core values for the church is entitled people over programs, uh, which we we explain as we regularly evaluate programs and activities to confirm the most efficient use of resources and validate that ministry objectives are being met. Um, where do we get this from the Bible, Tom? Why is this a priority at Faith Bible? Well, one of the sobering texts is Hebrews thirteen seventeen that uh, it says that someday the elders will give an account for the souls that sit under their care, 
Mm-hmm. And you see that shepherd and sheep motif that runs through the scripture. So it's it's clearly uh, evidence in the scripture that that though the church is an organization and it's got some functions, it's a building, it's being put together stone by stone and all of that, that, that basically it's an organism. Mm. And for that reason, uh, we, we, we try to focus on those things that bring about spiritual maturity in individuals as opposed to the maintenance of programs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's funny even to think about a little bit on that theme. In in some ways, even this core value is almost a, a core value from the silence of Scripture, because yes. Scripture doesn't say this is this is what this program will look like, and this is what this program will look like, and your Sunday school will look like this, and and detail all that out of us for us. That's there's a great deal of flexibility. There's a great deal of um, opportunity. There's also that weight of responsibility for yeah. what we fill up people's time with and yeah. schedules, and you know, are we focused on the right things and that sort of idea as well. But but let's get into the practical side of this. Um, what does this mean? What does this look like at Faith Bible Church? Well, over our 28 years, it, it, it's really a, a legitimate assessment continually. Uh, are we are we making men or are we just moving people kind mm. of thing as are we if we're, we're just we're just recruiting to fill slots as opposed to pouring our lives in laboring together to produce yeah. disciples so uh, you know some some necessary church activities are programmatically heavy they have yeah. to be yeah. but if we find that we're just constantly running short of prepared people, to come alongside, then we have to step back and say, maybe we're just peopling a program mm. rather than programming for the people. Mm. And that, mm. that's kind of how it's functioned down through the years. Mm. And I, I know the words that always strike me a little on this theme is is that reminder that you, what you win people with is what you win people to. That's right. Um, and, that's and realizing that we could win a lot of people to a program in our church that's not actually impacting yeah. their eternal um, eternal situation and their, their sanctification idea. And so coming back to that, so yeah. so how do we how do we regularly look at these? What what would a what would a, how would we evaluate something like this? Well, uh, certainly ministry leads in each area. Uh, I think feel the weight of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just with scheduling and and people relationships, I you know um, my my heart is to be a shepherd. I think I'm a, a shepherd teacher, mm-hmm. and so you know constantly asking, are people's lives being transformed, mm-hmm. or are we just trafficking over lots of busyness? Um, mm-hmm. There's a there was a sign above the coffee bar in my Bible college student union that said, "Beware of the bareness of the busy life." Mm-hmm. And so I'm always looking to say, are people just working hard and making no progress, or do you see spiritual growth and maturing coming? Mm-hmm. And uh, so probably that's the, the thing. And I, I think most of our ministry leads uh, think that way mm-hmm. and discuss those things. Yeah. Yeah, I know for my part, it's a constant conversation of are we pouring our time and energy, which is a finite resource that we have, yep. into the best things that we could be engaging with as a church, undeniably, because there's always more opportunities. Yes, there's always yeah. more things you could be doing. There's always wonderful, good things that may not be the most important things. Well, I, I, I can be brutally honest on this because uh, Jared can cut out whatever shouldn't be said. <laughs> there we, <laughs> but, there you know, we go. I, I mean, even even after the elders have spent an evening together, I often go away and multiply the number of hours we spent by the eight men that were around the mm. table and say, you mm. know, there's this many irreplace, irreplaceable 
hours of human existence did we get maximum mileage out of it? Yeah. And so that kind of assessment has to be going on all the time. Yeah, yeah. So, listeners, this is one that we're we're always working on. We would not claim to be perfect at, <laughs> uh, but we do make an effort uh, uh, when necessary to uh, <laughs> to approach the uh, the golden calf, if you will, which can be the programming at a church at a times, and really be driven by the people that call Faith Bible Church our home. Uh, but that's number six, people over programs. Number seven, Tom, plurality leadership. We lead interdependent and complementary teams. Where does this idea come from in the Bible? Well, the plurality leadership model is shown by Jesus in that uh, he called more than one to follow him. Hmm. Uh, he started sending them out in pairs, but he sent the 70 out a couple of times, and he sent the 12 out in pairs. And then the disciples, as they as they moved into the establishing the church in the book of Acts, again, you, you see that they are going out. It's Peter and John over and over, and then it's Barnabas and Saul, and then it's Paul and Silas, and Paul and Timothy and Titus. So you, you see it in, in the book of Acts and the unfolding. You see it in 1 Timothy 3 when he says, appoint Elders, an elder must be, so it's a plural word. You see it in Titus 1, I left you there in Crete so that you could appoint elders in every place. Uh, early churches, you get to Acts 14, they did a U-turn and went back to the young churches and immediately appointed elders, plural, in each place. And then, of course, the Acts 6, and when the ministry of the word and prayer was being overrun by necessary responsibilities. They mm. they said, give us seven men full of faith, wisdom, and the Holy Spirit, and mm. we will entrust them with this responsibility. So I think I think the scriptures just bleed plurality, mm. as, as it were. Yeah, a, a team approach to ministry, yeah. if you will, a bit, um, as opposed to vesting total faith in one individual yeah. as the solution. Um, okay, so we see this in the Bible. We see constantly teams and groups of people being sent, groups of people leading. Uh, practically, what does this mean at Faith Bible Church? Well, at Faith Bible, uh, from the beginning, I think the smallest uh, elder leadership team we've ever had was uh, seven men. Hmm. Uh, so we, we have eight elders uh, today uh, that lead. We have uh, deacons and deaconesses that uh, shoulder responsibilities for ministry, and then ministry leads on, on every mm-hmm. front. So uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to think uh, through the ministry with all the activities, but I can't think of any particular area of the ministry where somebody is just flying solo. Mm. Uh, we always make sure they come along partner. But again, I, I, I think our commitment to plurality leadership, even when we establish a new ministry, we need to be certain that it's not all on the shoulders of one. Mm. Yeah, and it trickles its way down, like you were talking about, into the individual ministries where teams are the ones that are leading ministries, individuals um, obviously being a part of that and having responsibilities, but not falling on one individual. But that's number seven, plurality leadership. Number eight, unleashing the gifts. We help people discover and apply their spiritual gifts. Um, You may have to premise this a little bit by spiritual gifts, in case our (laughs) listeners are unfamiliar, Tom. What are we talking about here from Scripture? Well, the wonderful thing is that when you trust Jesus as your personal Savior, God immediately places the Holy Spirit within you. And by his design, you become part of a family and a body. And so spiritual gifts are divine 
enablements to accomplish or to serve others in the body for their growth and maturity. They're not not uh, self-focused, but they're others-focused mm-hmm. service and speaking gifts and that. So uh, Romans chapter 12 talks about the gifts we each get individually, makes big emphasis on the fact that they're not all the same. Yep. There's diversity. First yep. Corinthians 12, again, there are many gifts, and uh, they come with uh, different measures. Um, Ephesians 4 talks about equipping the saints, so using their gifts so that every joint supplies something to the maturity of the greater body until we all grow up and mature and quit being tossed here and there yeah. by every wind and wave of doctrine. And First Peter 4 kind of breaks them into two categories, serving gifts and speaking gifts. So, uh, again, you see it taught to the churches that uh, there is a role for every believing member of the church to play in bringing about the maturity of the greater. Hmm. And hopefully at some point in our later discussion this year, we'll be able to spend a little time talking about the church, talking specifically about spiritual yeah. gifts. I know that's one of those areas you and I both really enjoy yeah. having the discussion and hearing, reminding um, just ourselves and others about the significance of our own participation, um, both receiving and giving to others the gifts that we've been given. Um, but practically, okay, so practically, what does it mean to unleash these gifts that everyone that has faith in Christ has? Well, the, yeah, this this one I think double, dovetails with the other two, uh, people over programs mm-hmm. and uh, plurality leadership. And, and basically, it is, it is uh, not imposing from the top downward uh, programs or job descriptions, but rather recognizing uh, passions, interests, strengths, abilities that individuals have and uh, and fanning the flame of that. Because yeah. over our 28 years, I would say almost every ministry other than even the, the Sunday morning gathering, which even that one was you know, probably stimulated that way, is, is somebody said, you know, God's kind of laid on my heart that, mm-hmm. and they either have a gift for it or a sensitivity to it, and then raises up ministry. So uh, what, what we hope that we do is that we recognize the uniqueness of each individual while at the same time in understanding that we can't be individualistic. And so, well, I recognize you're uniquely gifted and talented. And we, we try not to just fill slots, but when we're recruiting volunteers, who do we know that has gifts and passions and abilities that would be a complement to that ministry? So in, in practical ways, it's just kind of watching and listening to see what God is stirring in the heart of the saints and matching them up with opportunities. Hmm. And then obviously the the teaching people to understand this component. Yeah. I know we've offered spiritual gift studies. Yeah. In fact, I want to say the first sermon series that you were preaching when Jenna and I started attending the church was actually a spiritual gifts wow. study. If, if I recall that correctly, I think there were books or something. I'm going to have to go back and see if I can find some of those. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that, that concept of helping people understand... <laughs> Yeah. What these, especially these four passages in Scripture, speak yeah. to, what they're teaching on spiritual gifts, not just so that we can fulfill some personal fulfillment, yeah. I've realized who I am through my spiritual gift, yeah. but but so that we can engage that gift for the edification of the body. Yeah, I think that's that's a big one. Obviously, always area for improvement as new yeah. people are coming in. Uh, listeners, if you're unfamiliar with what your spiritual gift is, if you're interested in more information <laughs> on that, shoot us an email. I'd love to hear from you. Or talk to your small group leader about doing a spiritual gift study yeah. in your small group. There's very few places that I think are better to explore the way you've been gifted than a place where you can hear from others and you can speak into their lives as well. And we have some great resources on that subject if you'd be interested. Well, in okay, our new attenders class, we, we used to say that when you 
walk through the door, we ask ourselves, what gifts does this church have that God needs to use in your life to help you be less like yourself and more like Jesus? But then we always flipped it the other way. What gifts do you bring that he knows we need so that we become less like us and more like Jesus? So, yeah, there's the give and take. And then the other one, I would put the emphasis again, preach that whole thing on Ephesians 4. But equipping simply means to repair and then prepare people for ministry. So it is, I have the gift, but I have to learn to do it. Somebody has to shepherd me through the application. So we aim to do that as best we can. Um, Unleashing the gifts. Okay, number nine, missional scattering. We mentioned this a few, or last week, when we said a cross-centered message, the gospel is the focus of what we preach and teach. Um, but also missional scattering. We equip the body to intentionally share the gospel in their circles of influence. Where does this come from in the Bible, Tom? Well, in Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now you go and make disciples of all nations. So so clearly, the go part, you know, there's this there's a, a change in missiology that takes place in the Old Testament. God raised up a nation, a great temple, a glorious city, and it became a magnet, and he drew the world to Jerusalem and Israel to marvel at the greatness of their God. In the New Testament, he sends us out with that same message, and he said, go, Acts chapter 1, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be witnesses for me. I uh, was so You follow that through Acts chapter 8. It's not just the apostles, and it's not even just that first what we call the deacon team, you know, Philip and Stephen and those, but it, it says when the church was being persecuted, they all went about Acts 8, and as they went, they proclaimed Christ Jesus. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, uh, it's the responsibility of the scattered church to take the good news into their square mile. Mm, very good. And then obviously, as, as we begin thinking through this, this probably has some implications for what we do as a church, yeah. probably some things we don't do and some things we do. Yeah. So take us through that a little bit practically. Well, early on, we had that discussion. I think a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a church, whether it's attractional mm-hmm. or missional. Uh, but we, just, we decided that when we gathered together, we were to encourage and equip the saints mm-hmm. so that when we scattered, we did evangel and took the gospel with us. So uh, we don't we don't often do uh, gospel calls to decision, mm. and that by design our our services are more going deeper into the word to strengthen the saints, so that when they go out they share the good news. But I think also uh, an awareness of where I am at school, at work, in my neighborhood. I I am that light. I am that salt out of the shaker in the mm. culture. So uh, programmatically, I think as a church, we we don't do a lot of attractional things where we ask you to invite your non-Jesus-believing neighbors so that we can lead them to Jesus. We mm-hmm. help you share the gospel with them where you live and where you work. Mm. And I like I like the scattering component too, of it because there's there's an intentionality to it as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. if we all stay together in our uh, I believe the term you use is holy huddle. Yep. If if we yeah. all stay in one place, we're not gonna we're not gonna run yeah. into many people. We're not <laughs> we're not gonna impact and and uh, affect lives. We're not gonna well, you we're know, not gonna put get, ourselves in that position. You put too much salt in one place and it sterilizes. <laughs> there, yeah, there, gonna, there you go. A little salt scatter. Get the salt out of the shaker and scatter yeah. it around. Scatter. No, I've also wished that we would have signs on our church parking lot so when you're leaving, it is a Welcome to your mission field. You yeah, know? here it goes. Uh, so those kind of ways. We hope that's how the church thinks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very good. 
Number 10, last but not <laughs> least, next generation equipping. We train the next generation as faithful stewards of the gospel. Uh, Tom, maybe this is straightforward, but where does this come from in, in Scripture? Well, the, the clearest one is 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Those things which you have seen and heard of me uh, teach those to other who will be faithful to teach others also. There's just mm. this progression of handing the gospel baton down, and you couple that with the whole model of handing the gospel to those that will come behind. Um, so Paul surrounded himself with young men that traveled with him and learned from him. Mm-hmm. So uh, young men, young women, uh, that that they are they are learning. Paul talked over and over about uh, follow the example that you have in me or Philippians. Three, walk in a manner as we walk and follow those who walk as we yeah. walk. So yeah. teaching those, really, maybe not uh, chronologically younger, but perhaps spiritual maturity younger. Always be looking for an Paul, looking for a Dorcas, somebody that is a model of what you ought to be when you spiritually grow up and learn from them. Mm. Very good. I I know one of the things I, I was listening to someone recently, and I apologize. I would give them credit. I, I honestly can't remember who it was. And they said, you know, the gospel came to you because it was on its way to somebody else. That's right. And that reminder that for two thousand years That's since right. Christ first passed that message on to his disciples, every single one of us has received the gospel and been trained in mm-hmm. in the Christian faith. Because somebody else took that from someone and passed it on to someone else. And that's a task that lays before all of us. Practically, how does this influence our ministry, Tom? Well, we have lots of uh, age-specific ministries, Mm -hmm. you know. So we have children's ministry for preschool, nursery. The Awana program covers all elementary ages. We have middle school, high school. We've got ministries to young adults, college. Always with that sense that we're just laying the foundations through as they learn and grow, hoping that it all comes. Uh, That one we take, I think, from 2 Timothy 3, where Paul says about his uh, uh, Timothy's mother and grandmother, don't forget from whom you have learned these things, that they are able to make you wise unto salvation. Hmm. So... uh, Ministering to children and to youth and the next generation uh, drives our uh, both our, our scheduling of time as well as our budget, quite honestly. Mm. Yeah, a, a tremendous influence in that area or emphasis in that area, it, as it were. But, but you also said not necessarily just chronologically. Yeah. How, does this, how does this impact how we approach things regardless of what age somebody comes to faith in Christ? Well, anytime we're publicly teaching or speaking, we have got to be very much aware that there are people spiritually that are new believers, Mm. that are apathetic, (laughs) long-term believers, and some that are hungry to grow. And then also, uh, as he says in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, there are some inquirers amongst us. Mm. So it's always just being aware of the audience and trying to articulate uh, the deep truths of Scripture in a way that each can get a hold of it. Mm. And then other, it's it's also just very practically uh, being available mm. to meet with people one-on-one or in small groups and just to unpack the Scriptures appropriate to the level of their maturity at the moment. Mm. So uh, he said that in uh, Hebrews 5, you know, at this point, you ought to re- be teaching others, but we have to go over the elementary right. things with you again. Right. But he doesn't say he won't. You, know? yeah. <laughs> so you ought to be growing up, so now we're going to go back and recover it so that you can take it on. So yeah. I, I think uh, 
you know, age staging, not just chronologically, but also spiritual maturity, mm. offering opportunities. Mm. Uh, we used to call them meat eater classes, you mm. know. Some mm-hmm. people that just love to read Grudem and Briery <laughs> and those guys would just, oh, we'd have a Sunday school class uh, for them. But we always had one for new believers as well, yeah. discipleship. Yeah, and, and listeners, it's it's one of those things that practically worked itself out in, in that don't don't be surprised at all if, if we... Uh, are quick to encourage you to engage in <laughs> leading and teaching others what you've already been taught. Um, it's too easy to fall into a mindset of just receiving, and quickly we have to turn that yeah. into a mindset of how will I share this with someone else as well. And so so almost the presumption is yeah. if you've received it, how are you going to turn around and share it with somebody else? Uh, we don't want that to be a, a core part of, of who we are as a church and our ministry here at Faith Bible. Um, well, that's it. Those are the the last five core values that we have here at the church. In addition to cross-centered message, living by the book, observable dependence, participatory worship, and sacrificial body life, we have people over programs, unleashing the gifts, missional scattering, next generation equipping, and I forgot plurality leadership. Uh-huh. Those are the 10 that we have that are core values here as a church. Um, we want them to define who we are. We are successful or unsuccessful in varying degrees at being all of those things at all times, but we do strive for them. Any final thoughts on this subject, Tom, for our listeners? Well, I would just affirm what you just said, Brett, and I think that is uh, these have stood the test of time, I think, because mm-hmm. the elders in the beginning really prayerfully thought through what are the things that should be non-negotiable. And uh, at the same time, we periodically have to assess it. And while we'd like to be getting a 10 on all of these, sometimes (laughs) it slips down to a 5, 6, or a 7, and we tweak it a bit. And at different times, I would say uh, one is highlighted more than the other, but all of those are essential for us to be a healthy church. Very good. Very good. Well, listeners, that's the extent of it. Um, Next week, we will move from who we are as a church into how the gospel shapes every area of our life and begin talking about how the gospel impacts different aspects of how we live um, and our our daily life. I'm I'm really looking forward to that, looking forward to diving into that uh, with some of the staff and some of the elders and having that discussion. Um, But Tom, you've got another message coming up this Sunday. This week, you're moving from the, the summary for messages of the four gospels into a specific message entitled Lord of Creation that's focused on five of Jesus's creation-themed miracles. Uh, so listeners, I'd encourage you to you know um, either come on Sunday morning or if you're watching the live stream from home, uh, I, I sure hope you won't still be buried in your homes at that point <laughs> from all the snow, uh, but we'd encourage you to, to participate in Tom's message on Sunday entitled Lord of Creation. And just remember, if you're reading along with us, if you're, if you're reading through all the Gospels in anticipation of Easter. You can always find that reading plan on our website under the resources tab under the Simply Jesus button. So check out that if, you, you, if you're reading and you're interested in, in finding out what to be reading in anticipation of this Sunday's message. And uh, that's it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast, for listening to these 10 core values that we have as a church and for joining us as a listener. Uh, we, we, we do want to say if it's, if it's been helpful to you, please just remember you can share it with somebody else that you think it might be helpful to them or comment or rate it, make it easier for other people to find us as well. We'd sure appreciate that. And just know that Tom and myself and the rest of the leadership here at the church will be praying for you as you as you continue to um, pursue Christ in, in your walk every day and as you pr- continue to read his word for yourself. And we hope you join us again next week for Midweek in the Word. 
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To learn more about Faith Bible Church, please visit our website at www.faithbiblelincoln.org. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Faith Bible Church, Lincoln, Nebraska, or on Twitter at the handle at FBC Lincoln. As for this week, we'll leave you with Paul's words to Timothy. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith.